Welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. Jesus was a master storyteller, and he constantly used short stories or parables to communicate spiritual truths to the crowds that gathered to hear him. By telling parables, the secrets of the kingdom would be revealed to Jesus' disciples, but they would be hidden from his opponents. Listen to this talk from the parable series as we dive into some of Jesus' most memorable stories. Well, good morning. Uh, Good to be with you today. Before I begin, I wanted to mention two things. First of all, um, that Josh Rhodes, Pastor Josh Rhodes, is on a sabbatical right now. So I wanted to mention that because sometimes if you don't see someone for a few weeks, people wonder, is something going on? Yes, he's enjoying a a wonderful sabbatical. A sabbatical, by the way, is not a vacation. Uh, It's a time to really, though, uh, get a vision for the future, to connect with God, to learn things or whatever else. And so... um, That's where he is. The second thing I want to mention is I realized I haven't given you an update about my wife's lymphoma, and uh, she's doing uh, considerably better. She's done with most of the the group treatments. Like, she was on uh, five different things with these infusions. Now she still has to get an infusion every other month for the next two years, Uh, and she's still susceptible to things. So she recently got over a pneumonia, but it it hung on for a long time, and the doctor felt like she didn't get that from someone else. Her own system was weak, and that's that's her condition, but she's getting stronger all the time. But I'm still avoiding uh, crowds to the best of my ability just to protect her, so I wanted you to have that update, and I appreciate your prayers. It makes a difference. I feel like uh, the prayers have really made a huge difference uh, in her recovery. With so many areas in life, foundations matter. I think the first one, of course, that comes to our minds would be if you're building something like a house or some other structure. Foundations matter, right? If you don't build a solid foundation, the thing could collapse. For example, when I was preparing for this, the question came to my mind, how deep is the foundation for the Empire State Building? And I found out that it is 55 feet, 8 inches deep, and it has 210 massive pillars underneath there. Now, some smart engineers figured out that that's what you'd have to do to put a building on that place that would weigh 365,000 tons. Now, if you get the foundation wrong, it's kind of a problem, isn't it? I mean, you think of the Leaning Tower of Pizza, but worse than that would be if the thing tipped over fell down on something else. It would be a horrible situation. So we understand that when building something. But there are foundations in other areas of life as well. Uh, For example, when I was a student at the university, I needed to take a business math course. But when I registered, I discovered that they required me to have two other previous prerequisites, you know, other math courses before I could take this one because they determined that if I didn't have that proper math foundation, that I wouldn't succeed in the course. And I think they were right. You need, you need a foundation, a proper foundation to build upon. Relationships, of course, require a solid foundation. And sometimes things go wrong when the, when the very foundation of the relationship, which is the foundation of trust, but when it hasn't been built properly, it leads to problems. And so these days, for example, you have a lot of people putting things out online concerning who they are or what they even look like or whatever else, and then eventually you meet the person and you realize, you're 20 years older than I thought. It's not the best for for trust. Or you're applying for some job online, 
and you inflate your experience or, or you say you got a degree or something when you didn't really. I know people that have actually done that. They said, I got a degree in such and such. No, they didn't get a degree. They were maybe two-thirds way through the program. They did not get the degree. And you say, well, that was close. Doesn't matter. Trust is undermined. Right now there's a politician in trouble, and I don't know the details of it, but he made all kinds of claims during the campaign and then finds out, everyone finds out it wasn't true. And now he's being actually charged with fraud because people voted for him based on what they, what they understood was true, based on what he said. It wasn't the case. And you realize that suddenly the entire foundation has crumbled. Now, I personally believe that we as a nation are in, in some trouble because a number of significant foundations of our nation are crumbling. And that it's a problem. I've recently been, you know, wondering in my own mind the question, why is it that people these days have so much trouble getting along? Why is there so much anger, so much insecurity? Why, are, why can't people just handle things better? And I think this is part of the answer. I think that many of the foundations of our society have been so undermined that people don't have anything to hold on to. Things that they used to have understood to be true, understand to be true, things that they were holding on to that was secure. A lot of these foundations now are gone. Foundations like there were societal foundations, biblical foundations, moral foundations, even the foundation of something called truth is crumbling. So people say, well, you, you can't know the truth. People talk these days about my truth. The problem is when we don't have these foundations, then when our world begins to crumble, we have nothing to hold on to. If you've been relying on your truth and suddenly it doesn't work, where do you turn if you've abandoned the truth? Because the truth is a, is a foundation. Jesus was right when he said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. People these days have turned away from God's word. He said, well, that, that used to be a, a societal foundation. It's not true anymore. Most people, I think, don't, don't view the Bible as the solid word of God. So when they're faced with issues, they don't know where to turn because they can't turn to the Bible for the answer because they don't believe it anymore. Or the church. Uh, the church has served for many people, especially my age, was a foundation. You know, something goes wrong in your life or whatever, uh, you, you'd have a church family. But, and I understand why a lot of people are turning away from the institutional church. It's got a lot of issues. But it still was a place where there used to be more of a foundation. Family itself, of course, is in trouble in our society today. And all kinds of issues these days are now up for debate. And I think it's this lack of just clarity about what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is bad, what should we believe, what shouldn't we what is truth? All these things serve as foundations. Now, my takeaway today is this, that we need a solid foundation if we are to weather the storms of life. I'm convinced that when the things come our way, the storms of this life come our way, that is when our foundation is going to be tested. And we find out, do, did we have the metal to, to be able to... to Endure, or will things come crumbling down around us? And for a lot of people, I think they're coming down, they're crumbling down around them. 
Now, today we're going to focus on a parable that Jesus told in Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. It's not a real long parable, but it's a parable that deals with foundations, and Jesus was encouraging us to examine the foundation upon which we're building everything in our lives. So let's read the parable, and then I want to talk about it. Beginning in verse 24 of Matthew 7, we read, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed, and its collapse was great. Now, I find this little parable encouraging because it, Jesus acknowledges that we're going to have storms in life. He's acknowledging it's going to be tough, things are going to be coming at us, but the answer is here. It really depends on, on your foundation. Now, let's talk in more detail about it. In this story, there are two builders that are mentioned. One is called foolish, and the other one is, is someone who's called sensible. So you've got a sensible builder. He's got some sense. And then you've got another builder that's foolish. There's only one thing that separates these two builders. It has to do with the foundation. One ended up building on a good foundation, and another one didn't. Now, I like what M.R. Vincent says about this, and it's kind of an interesting observation. He says, the picture is not of two men deliberately selecting foundations, but it contrasts one who carefully chooses and prepares his foundation with one who builds haphazard. And so Vincent is saying, the one isn't foolish because, well, he saw the, the sand and thought, well, this should, should be fine, and and just built there as opposed to the rock over here. It's not like he saw both of them side by side and he, he foolishly chose the sand. That's not what's happening here. Vincent is saying what happened here is that the one guy didn't stop to think, did not stop to evaluate upon what am I building this. He just started building on top of something that wasn't suitable to build upon. And so it was foolish in that sense. Now, let me ask you the question, has there come a point in your life where you've examined what your foundation is when things happen? Are you ready for that? You know, when life comes your way, when difficulties come your way, what happens, for example, if the economy crashes? It will depend what you're standing on at that point. And back in the Great Depression, you've, maybe you've seen the videos, there were businessmen jumping out of high-rise office buildings because they saw their portfolio, portfolio value uh, evaporate and they had nothing left because they didn't have a foundation. You know, what happens when we suffer these things? Are you the kind of person that in the midst of that could say, my God is God? I, I'm not concerned. I mean, your, your foundation will be tested. What if a relationship falls apart? What happens if you get seriously sick? What happens if a loved one dies? What is your foundation? It's, it's tested at times like this. It's the foundation you're standing upon firm. And, and I think we need to evaluate the question in our own life. Upon what am I building my house? 
Dr. Morris agrees with Vincent. He said the issue is not deliberately choosing the sand. What the issue really was was not identifying the, the need to, to build deeper, to find the foundation. He writes, we should not understand a deliberate choice of sand, but a failure to take seriously the necessity for a solid foundation. Again, it's not, well, which one is better? No, he just, just didn't stop to ask which is our challenge today. Have you stopped to ask, what is my foundation on? Dr. Bloomberg, another um, scholar, made this observation. I think he's exactly right. He said, the two men are conceived as alike, selecting a spot where the sand overlies the rock. The one builds directly upon the sand. The other digs through and down into the rock. You see, his point is, that Jesus is comparing or contrasting two people whose circumstances are identical in every way. The only thing that's different is that the one, when he saw the sand, realized, I can't build on this, and so he dug down until he got to the rock. See, both builders were building on sandy, in sandy conditions with rock there, but one of them realized the implications of building on something that couldn't support it. So he dug down. And we know this is the correct understanding because when Luke tells this same story, and we know Jesus like went from city to city telling these stories, and sometimes he'd probably add this detail or that, but when Luke tells the story, Luke specifically says, the one guy dug down until he found the foundation. And that's where he built. It was more work to do that, but he, he got rid of all the, uh, the sand, that was, whatever came down on the solid rock, and he began to build. Now, at the outset, of course, both would probably, both structures would look good. Somebody coming by when you were done would look at both of them and say, oh, that's a really good job. And you'd think it was a good job until, until the storm comes. And again, my takeaway is we need a solid foundation if we are to weather the storms of life. But let's continue talking about this. So let's talk about the test that both of these houses endured. There were three things the text indicates that confronted these houses. Uh, the first of all, the text says that the rain came down. And of course, it's not a little rain we're talking about. The rain beat on the house. And some of us, I'm sure all of us have seen the kind of rain that is so thick and it goes sideways, just battering us. And, and presumably that's the kind of rain that we're talking about here. Uh, the second thing about it is it's, the text indicates the rivers rose. This is a situation where the river actually ran toward the house or came toward the house and challenged it in a sense. Now, either the, both of these builders built a house that was near a river that ended up flooding. And we've all known cases like that where you, you build in a place where there's a river over there and you think you're far enough away and then you find out it's not. You get some heavy rains and suddenly it becomes a violent river. And in this case, attacking the house. Or this could be what's called a wadi, uh, which I've talked about before. In, in Israel and in the Middle East, there, there are these, these rock beds, they're called wadis. They're, they're dry riverbeds that are mostly dry except during the spring rains. But they can be dangerous because it can rain any time up, up maybe five miles away and the rain comes down and it picks up speed as it comes down and suddenly you have a rushing river. And so maybe it's 
Maybe that's the situation, but in either case, both houses are subjected to this river, this flooding water. And then third, the winds blew and pounded the houses. And of course, we know wind can be very powerful to destroy. A few years ago, I had to replace my entire roof because I live up kind of high. I'm I'm six miles or so south from the city, but I'm on a hill, a, a mountain. I can see for at least nine to 10 miles from my porch and the wind just comes up here. And it ripped out large sections of my roof. Wind can cause a great deal of damage. So both of these houses were subjected to these things. And it's the combination, I think, that, that made the difference. Dr. Morse writes, it was the combination of rains, rivers, and winds that represent the severest testing the weather can bring to a house. It was the combination. Dr. Jameson puts it this way, and the rain descended from above. And the floods came from below, and the winds blew sweeping across and beat upon that house, thus from every direction. Now, this is how life feels sometimes, doesn't it? Like everything's coming at me. A lot of things seem to come in threes. You've heard that before. I've had that happen where I was on my second thing, and I think, well, what's going to be the next one? Let's wrap up this but, but sometimes all of life comes at us this way, and we say, what am I going to do? All of it just bombards us. And it's under this circumstance that it's all tested. In one of the houses, it says it stood firm, but the other one, it says it collapsed. It could be translated, it, it literally fell to pieces. Or I think of pictures of a tornado where you see the house just kind of breaking apart. One of the Greek words has the idea of actually collapsing inside. It was just completely demolished when these three things hit. And so you want to make sure that you get this foundation thing right, because again, I've seen people who's, I've seen people's lives completely upended because when the tragedies came their way, they had nothing to stand on. And I've seen such a despair, and, and I, there was hardly anything I could even offer because they were so in despair. So what's the moral of the story? Well, this particular parable is one of the ones where Jesus gives us the answer before he tells us the parable. So I like it when Jesus does that. Because right up front, he tells, tells us exactly what the foundation is. Because I think we all want that foundation. And, and so you're wondering, what is the foundation? And in Matthew 7, 24, Jesus said this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. Whoever hears these words of mine, acts on them, be like a sensible man who built his house on a rock. And then he tells this parable. For years, most of my Christian life, I misread this section. I thought what Jesus was saying is that the, in this parable, the rock is the word of God or the word of Christ or the rock maybe even is Christ himself because he's called a cornerstone. And, and, and so, so if you believe the Bible is the word of God and you hold on to the Bible as the word of God and, and you're standing on Christ, you're going to be secure and you'll have a solid foundation. Well, those statements are true. The Bible is solid. It's rock solid. I'm convinced it is the word of God. I'm convinced that's the case. I could demonstrate it. In fact, in a couple of months, I'm planning on talking about that, why we know it's the Word of God, not maybe. So it's solid, and Jesus is too. 
He's the solid rock. He's a wonderful foundation. But Jesus is not talking exactly about that here. He, he says something a little bit different about it. He says it's not the one who, who hears the word, but it's the one who does it. That's where the foundation is solid. In fact, he's contrasting the two. He's contrasting the kind of person who hears God's word or is exposed to God's word or reads God's word or Christ's words. He's contrasting that person with somebody who didn't just listen but did it, who put it into practice. And there's something about doing what God says that gives you that firm foundation. When you actually put it into practice, that's the thing that makes it solid where it becomes part of your life. That's when you know it's true. Now, this particular parable, where it comes in the Bible, is very significant because it comes after three whole chapters that have been called from the book of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. And so you're familiar with the Sermon on the Mount. And on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said all kinds of things. You know, he said, blessed are the meek, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and things like that. He talked about forgiving people. If your brother sins against you, forgive 70 times seven, and, and, and how it's so important we forgive people. And he talked about loving your enemies. And doing good to those who mistreat you. And he talked about trusting God with your finances. And don't worry about it. And, and seek first the kingdom of God with what you have. And all these things will be added to you. It's in the applying of those things we learn the truth of those things. So somebody who realizes, okay, I will not worry about money, but I'm going to seek first your kingdom with whatever resources you've given me. And I trust you with this. When you put those things into practice, it begins to change your life. It begins to give you a solid foundation where suddenly you're, you're saying, I know these things are true. Now, Jesus had just talked for three whole chapters about so many things, and his listeners were wowed by it. I mean, they, several places it says his listeners said, you know, no one ever spoke like this guy does, and they absolutely loved his teaching. But Jesus told the parable because he's, he's basically saying, I don't want you to love the teaching. I don't want you to think how amazing this talk was. What matters is if you do it, if you put it into practice, I've laid out the way of God, the path. This is how we are to live our lives. And I think he would be grieved if we heard it and we were wowed by his talk but we did not do anything about it. We would walk away. And our lives would not be changed. And we would not have the foundation because the foundation is based on hearing and doing. It's not based on just hearing. And I think James had this exact parable in mind, the half-brother of Jesus, when he wrote in James 1, 22 to 25, he said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom, which I love that description, God's ways are freeing, and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed in what he does. James is saying God's word won't benefit you if you don't do it. In fact, he goes on to say it'll, it'll make it worse. Why? Because you'll be deceived. 
If you hear God's word but don't do it, you're deceived. Now, how are you deceived? I think you're deceived because you think you're better off for the hearing. You know, you go to this Christian conference or something, you hear all this great teaching, you think, I'm better off. I've been filled up. And then you go away and you forget all about it. Come here week in and week out, hear different talks that make a difference. You'd think in your life, but then you go away and 15 minutes later can't even remember what the subject was. I hope I'm worth at least a half hour, not just 15 minutes. But we go our way and we forget all about it, but we think we're better off because we went to church. We think we're better off for having read read the Bible. But what if we had a different approach and thought in terms of no... It's, it's in the doing of it that, that would make the difference. Now, James likened this problem to a person who looks at it, his natural face in a mirror. You know, this morning, you know, when I came into the church, at a certain point, I went in and looked at a mirror. I wanted to make sure my hair was uh, fine. No, I just look at everything. Is everything okay? Is the mic okay? Does, you know, whatever. Is my shirt buttoned up? Is my zipper zipped? You know, you don't want anything wrong. Now, imagine if I went in there and I saw a smudge on my face or a button were undone or my, a zipper were down. That's happened to me before. I was going to walk out and I said, oops. And the mirror revealed it and I'm so thankful I looked in the mirror because it reveals those things. But what if I did nothing about it? I saw it and then I walk away from the mirror and I completely for, forget anything that um, I saw. I don't take care of the mark. I don't button the shirt. I'd go about my way, and because I'm not looking in the mirror anymore, I'd forget completely about it. I'd be walking along my way, and I might have thought I was better off for having looked in the mirror. But I'm, I'm not helped. We all recognize that we're only helped if when we, when we do something about what we see in the mirror. And Jesus is saying to her, I'm sorry, James, in this case, was talking about the fact that when we look at God's Word, it is a mirror, and it's reflecting things about your life. And the question is, what do we do about it when we learn these things? Now, a couple of takeaways for you. If, you. if you know Jesus Christ today, you know you're a Christian, you know where you're standing with God is. I think that one of the applications here today is to get in the Word, which I talk about this a lot, to, to be spending time reading your Bible frequently throughout the week. And learning, because when we read God's Word, we do learn. It, it, it reveals things, we see things. And God reveals things to our heart through His Holy Spirit, and, and we begin to see areas to change, and so I think that, that that's a wonderful starting point. And I think it's great to expose ourselves to Christian teaching in different forms, but I think the main application is to ask the question, what am I going to do about what I'm going to hear? What if we came on a Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, and the, the question we'd ask ourselves is, okay, I'm looking for something to obey today, what will that be? How, or how I'm, am I going to, before we left, how I, am I going to obey this thing today and apply it to my life? At the end of a year, you will have changed in 52 ways. Your life would change. And you'd find the foundation, and that's what it needs to be. And God calls us to be ones who do what he says because when we do that, again, our foundation gets really solid. We know this is the truth. This is right. This is a lie. This is, where, this is the right way to go. And we have this, I don't know, just this confidence to know this is what it's about. But I have another application for those of you that maybe don't know where you stand with God. And so it's possible that some of you today have never entered into a relationship with God. 
because you haven't placed your firm trust in, in the risen Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior. Part of the reason Jesus told this parable was to get people, I believe, to stop and ask the question, am I right with God? Am I ready for judgment day? Am I ready to meet my creator? Now, why do I say that, that that was an application he had in mind? Because in the verses right before the parable, this is what he said in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, what day? Judgment day. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you law breakers. Jesus was describing here people on judgment day who thought they knew God. And, 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 And you can see the dialogue going on. Didn't we do things in your name? I mean, didn't we talk about Jesus? Didn't we on and on the list, and the response is going to be, I, I, never, I never knew you. A scholar by the name of Lutz thinks that's the main point Jesus was even making. He writes in the original parable, the issue was probably already not simply passing a test, but survival in the catastrophe of the last judgment. When you finally, all, everything you've done comes upon you and you realize you're standing before your creator. Others think, by the way, that one of the applications is it's a prophecy about the coming judgment upon the whole nation who listened to the Sermon on the Mount, but they they did not embrace the Savior. They did not do it. And in AD 70, it was all wiped away. Israel ceased to be for almost 2,000 years except by a miraculous work of God. Judgment came because they did not hear Jesus' words. They did not put their trust in Jesus. They did not put any of this into practice. And so again, in Matthew 7, 21, we get, you know, what's the question Then what do we need to do if, if we don't know if we're going to go to heaven or if we know God? Well, in Matthew 7, 21 again, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, hear me on this. This is... This is very important to understand. Jesus was not saying the person who goes to heaven is the person who does the will of God. It looks like it's saying that. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will get into heaven, but it's the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. It looks like if you do the will of God, you'll earn your way into heaven, but that is not what it's saying. What this passage is about is testing to see whether or not you really are a child of God by your actions, by your life. A true believer in Christ is someone whose life has been impacted by the gospel, and the one who receives Christ is one who's also embraced God the Father. And if we really know God, it will show in our actions. That's all he's saying. This is a a proof of your faith. It's not the means by which you get to heaven, but it's a way for us to test ourselves. And so that was the application. Jesus is saying, test yourselves. Do you really know God? Well, is it reflected in how you live your life or not? You know, we're told to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do we even care about God? Do we go through our life ignorant of Him? Or is our heartbeat to say, yes, I love God and I'm trying to please Him or whatever? That would just be an indication you, you probably know Christ, which was His point. Now, 
I, I say this is the case because in the verse right before the judgment verses, he said this in Matthew 7, 19 and 20, every tree that doesn't produce fruit, good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire so you'll recognize them by their fruit. And then he goes on to say, how do you know? What's the fruit? Well, a, a true Christian is going to be the kind of person who's carrying out the will of God. That's how we know where we stand. Now, if, if you're not sure where you stand, the simple answer of how you know is to put your trust in the risen Lord Jesus Christ to be your Savior. It's John 3.16. God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His own Son to take upon Himself every sin you've ever committed. He was executed in your place for everything you did wrong, and He died. But three days later, he rose from the dead, and it demonstrates that God the Father accepted the payment he made on our behalf. The resurrection proved that the one who took upon himself all the sin of the world broke the chains of death, overcame sin. He's the Savior of the world. But we have to, at a certain point, acknowledge our sinful condition and turn to Jesus to save us. Recognize I sin against God, I need you. I need a savior, I put my trust in you, Jesus. And Jesus is saying, if you do that, you'll have fruit in your life, there'll be an evidence. It'll prove a tree is known by its fruit. You will have a changed life, and so some of you are wondering, well, how do I know for sure? Well, look at the fruit of your life, because I think there's a certain assurance in that. Let's close in prayer. Father, I want to thank you that your son Jesus is the solid foundation. He's that, he's that cornerstone, the rock upon which we stand, and his word and your word is true and right. In fact, uh, applying your word to our lives is so important because it is based on the fact your son is the rock and your word is the truth, and it is worthy for us to put our trust. But we want to be ones, O oh Lord, who are doers of the word and not merely hearers. We want to be ones who prove this foundation by saying yes to you and you reveal things through your word like a mirror that we say yes to you. And if anyone has never said yes to your son Jesus and received that person as a savior, I pray they do so today to realize that eternal life is in Christ who died and rose again for us. And I praise you that when someone does that, their life is changed. The spirit of God comes to live within them and suddenly the fruit of their life changes as well. We thank you that all of this is solid and true. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridge.church slash messages or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.